Hi, welcome to the Business Vitality Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Canty. You can learn more about me and my team at KatherineCanty.com. For more than two decades, I have been able to travel the country and help other people grow their business. From those experiences, I was able to work with a proposal team that generated success 90% of the time for over a decade. We have created a leadership coaching program that is creating 100% measured results as seen by the leaders, peers, and stakeholders. And finally, I have spent nearly a decade in boardrooms, corporate boardrooms, where we are learning what's working and what's not. And more importantly, we're able to take the communication from the boardroom and get it down to the front line so execution is easier to implement. You know, from all these experiences, we created a framework called Business Vitality. These are all of the best practices of leaders and and opportunities that have been coming up decade after decade. And a lot of this stuff has been in practice for more than 20 years, 30 years and beyond. And what we're learning is a lot of these folks that are remaining vital in business today are having to think differently. And to share a quote from one of my CEOs that I've worked with in the past, he told me all day long he can hire folks, but what he needs more of are people who think outside the box. So in an effort to pay it forward and celebrate successes, we are going to be sharing stories of leaders who are thinking differently and remaining vital in business today. Please stick to the end and we will share how you can be a guest on the show. And thanks so much for being here. Doug Cornfield, you are the co-founder of Disability Dream Do, found on the web at d3day.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Catherine. It's a privilege to be here as always. Yeah, it's really nice. I appreciate you being here as well. Tell me a little bit about what is Disability Dream Do? So we can do the long version or the short version. The short version is uh, we run with Dave Clark and Dave Stevens has been a big part of this as well the last several years. I run sports camps for kids with uh, all different situations and different disabilities. And we primarily do those and run those with professional sports teams from Connecticut all the way down to Florida. And it's a free event for families. Uh, We get upwards to 80 to 120 kids and kids and young adults. um, We don't put an age limit on it. It's very inclusive from that perspective. And they get a day with professional athletes or high-level college athletes, and and it's just super fun. We've gotten several awards, uh, minor league baseballs. Um, you know, we've been in the running for their highest awards and all those kind of fun things. And so it's just, of course, I'm a little biased, Catherine, but it's really great. You know, and you, it just all you have to do is take a look at a few of my pictures, a couple of videos, and and if you don't get it, you don't have a heart. Tell me, how did you? How did this find you, or how did you find it? Uh, both. No, it, it found me pretty much. So uh, I have a son who was born with neither arm. Uh, if you go all the way back to 22 years ago from now, he's, he just turned 23, 24. I'm not even sure what he is. I got to figure that out. Um, he just turned 24. But he was born and we moved to uh, from Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. We were living in the Atlanta area and we moved to upstate New York where my wife grew up. And during that time of transition, I was working with Merrill Lynch and I read an article about this man who played baseball on crutches and he was given the Heroes of Sports Award and it said he was from Corning, but I'm, I'm reading the Atlanta Journal. And so I'm like, what and what? And we were in the process of moving to Corning and none of this made sense to me. I come from the athletic world. I was a full scholarship athlete you know, all that kind of stuff. And I didn't know this Dave Clark. 
So it, it didn't make sense to me. I, I know what it takes to play professional baseball, and typically you don't do it from crutches. But either way, he was getting this Heroes of Sports Award um, by the ESPN guys, you know, you know, it was at the World Congress Center and all this stuff. Big 17,000 check was presented to him. And so I went to my brother and I asked him, I said, hey, who's this Dave Clark guy that grew up in Corning? And my brother Kirk goes, well, I know Dave. I'm like, who is he? And as the winds blew us together, uh, Dave had just finished coaching uh, three championship seasons in a row in the Swedish major leagues. Um, he had played there earlier in his career as he, his career is amazing because he played on crutches and um, he moved back to his home more permanently right here in, in the corny New York area where I live and had just moved to. And so with my son Gideon in my arms before he was walking, Dave was coaching at a little minor league baseball team um, not far from here in Elmira, New York, for those that know the area. And it was the Elmira Pioneers. And Dave was just doing a part time pitching coach stent with them while he had just retired and with my son in my arms i walked around the dugout at the end of the game and asked dave if i could talk to him and of course he said sure and and i get to see i saw then probably for the first time what i see all the time now is when dave sees somebody like my son gideon or somebody with special needs it's an instant heartwarming thing for him and and uh, and of course he said hey give me a few minutes and we met um, we've kind of pieced this together because it's now 22 years ago, but uh, I asked him if we can meet for breakfast and uh, we had our first breakfast meeting 22 years ago and I asked him and peppered him with questions about what his parents did because I, as a parent with a child with special needs, I wanted to know what did his parents do? What's the secret sauce? And so we had those conversation and became friends, had him over for dinner yeah, he became a client. So I got to know him more. And the more I got to know his story, uh, the more I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest, mostly unknown sports story. And when I left Merrill Lynch, I told him I wanted to do something with his story. I thought it could be a movie. He, he needed to speak more. He needed more books, whatever documentaries, children's books, whatever it was, let's do it. Uh, but what his heart was, he had been doing sports camps for kids with limitations, literally his whole career and kids and young adults, uh, group homes. And he had started a camp with the Minnesota Twins at their spring training facility down in Fort Myers, Florida. And I think I caught like the fourth year of that. And it was super. And when Dave and I met for business meetings, he said, Doug, I want to do more sports camps for kids with limitations. And I said, okay, let's figure it out. And so that's the quickest story that I can give there, Catherine. I think it's fantastic. Tell me, okay, so we, we talked a little bit before about thinking differently. And for those people who know me, they know that I tend to think sometimes outside the box and think creatively. Um, this is a huge story of really thinking differently and, and overcoming unbelievable odds. Um, it's against all odds, so to speak. Yeah. It really, yeah. really is. I know there's been a movie named that already, but the, in some of the scriptings for Dave's movies, that's literally what they're calling it is against all odds. I don't know if they'll revamp that that actual movie title or not, but you'll think about it. He's he's five foot two. His legs didn't grow to polio. Uh, he's a little boy wanting to be just like anybody else back in the 1950s, 1960s um, to play baseball. And it's so much against all odds in, in, in elementary school, they didn't even let him participate in phys ed class. They actually had a chair for him to sit in. And it's kind of odd because in first grade, 
um, one of his teachers, you know, here he's first grade. Now he feels different. You know, when he was in the playground and was around his family, kind of everybody knew him in that small little group area. He didn't feel different, but he went to school. Now he's the kid with Forrest Gump, like braces all the way up to his hips. He's walking with crutches. His gait is slow. It's awkward. And now he's being picked on. Now he's being called Slowpoke. Now he's being called Oleo, which rhymed with polio, which he absolutely hated. And, and so anyway, so here is the kid like that. And his teacher announces a field trip to walk five blocks away together to the fire hall. So he's not allowed to participate in gym class, but they want him to walk five blocks away to the fire hall. And of course, that was a nightmare for him. Uh, he remembers one or two weeks, whatever it was. It was, it was a long time of just dreading this whole thing of being left behind and not being able to keep up going to the fire hall as a first grader. Flash forward to the day of the event. He tries to do what every six-year-old is going to at least try one time, and that's act sick. And his cough didn't convince his mother, so off to school he went. And when the teacher called the class to get in line, he goes to the back of the line thinking, this is going to be the worst day of my life. And unknown to him, one of his classmates, Dave never forgot his name. His name is Ernie Pound. Ernie had brought his little red radio flyer wagon to school to pull him, and Dave never forgot it. And where I come in is now, it was 45 years later, I was Dave's financial advisor and I pushed him to write a book about his life story. It's the Dave Clark story. It's still available on Amazon or on our websites and that kind of thing. But Dave found, Dave thanked Ernie and told the story I just told you in his book in chapter two. And every time I read it, cause I was reading the story before it was actually published, uh, helping him publish the book. And I would get the goosebumps every time I read this little story. But having a child born with no arms, it, it impacted me. And I wound up helping Dave do the book signings. I did like five book signings in our little area of Corning, New York. And I wound up finding Ernie. Awkward phone call. How did you find Ernie? Phone, this, is, this is how old this is now. It was a phone book. Ernst Pound, living 45 minutes away in Odessa, New York, in the middle of nowhere, where the Watkins Glen racetrack is, if you guys are familiar with the Watkins Glen NASCAR. And I found out that they hadn't seen each other since first grade. Ernie's family had left the area. He remembered the wagon. He didn't remember Dave, didn't know Dave had gone on to be a professional athlete, professional coach, Olympic coach, you know, Atlanta Braves coach, all that stuff. But he remembered the wagon. And he wound up coming to a book signing at a little coffee shop near here, unknown completely to Dave, puts a book underneath Dave's nose and says, sign this one to Ernie Pound. And as you can imagine, I caught that on video. Uh, the emotions got pretty crazy. Um, actually, Dave's wife it was with my wife at the time in that coffee shop. And, and uh, she, she told my wife uh, she'd never seen her, her husband cry before. And he got pretty emotional. And so when we partnered and started getting Dave to speak, he started sharing the story and you could hear a pin drop. You could hear the emotions and, you know, and we just got the feedback that that was the story everybody remembered. And, and, um, and just one thing led to another. And so uh, you could branch that off into another story um, because he was still literally sitting on the sidelines in gym class and, or phys ed classes we're supposed to call it. And uh, he had a new gym teacher in third grade uh, because at this point, Dave was conditioned to go and sit on the sidelines and get a chair and new, new gym teacher, military cut, 
you know, the kind of guy that would scare you half to death in the 1960. This is, uh, he's fresh out of the military, you know, probably went to school after the military. So he's a little older, he's rough, he's gruff. And he tells everybody what they're going to do in the gymnasium that day, claps his hands and Dave starts wandering off looking for a chair, but there's no chair. And he gets yelled at. Where do you think you're going? He just remembers this deep voice yelling at him. And Dave turns a little scared. He gets he gets signaled over to uh, the gym teacher, the phys ed teacher. And he goes, you know, Dave, in my class, you might not be able to do everything, but we're going to try everything. And it was the first time he'd ever got to try anything in phys ed class. And as it would be, it was the rope climb to the ceiling. And if anybody's ever done the rope climb, it's it's a it's a dreadful thought for many children. Uh, you look up and you just you know most kids don't get very far. And as it would be, Dave got about three quarters of the way up. And, Fantastic. You know, one little hand over the next. He stopped. He was gassed. And that little inner spirit of his that probably makes him what it what what it makes him today is he looked up and says, you know, I'm this close. I got to keep going. And he was the only kid to get to the top. And he dragged his hands down. He couldn't stop himself because he had no use of his legs. He burned his hands. Uh, it's why we have a business now called the Best Burn Enterprises, Best Burn Enterprises, because it was the best burn he ever got. And he tells that story. And, you know, and that, that, little, that little thing that that phys ed teacher, Colonel Snetzler, we found out he was a colonel later in life. Oh, wow. Um, and he was a three-tour hero. He's still living to this day. And uh, he's in his 90s. And just that man changed my, my business partner's life. And probably if it weren't for that gym, that phys ed teacher doing what he did, I probably wouldn't be talking to you about this story today. That's fantastic. Do you mind taking a moment and just sharing the logo that you have on your shirt? Yeah, there you go. You can see that. It, yeah, it's it represents a, Ernie a little... Pound pulling Dave. Yeah. So for if if you can't see it, it's it's looks like a little boy with holding crutches over his shoulder with the red radio flyer wagon that we're all familiar with. If yep. we all remember growing it's up. American as it gets right there. Yeah. And with the with the boy in the back of the wagon. Yeah, and Dave's holding a bat to represent baseball, you know. So it's that is fantastic. Yeah. So that was the that was we had that logo come up. Somebody actually did that pro bono for me, you know, when we first started. I told that story and he came up with that logo. And it was just genius. We've never changed it. And uh, of course, later in life, I gave him a little bit of money, but still not what it's worth. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy, you know, how something is... like that happens. And the people that helped us, you know, there's a lot of people that helped us to get to where we are as well, which we're grateful for. Yeah, just keep paying it forward and the, and the goodness keeps coming. Um, okay. I think Zig Ziglar, one of my favorite quotes from him is, if you, if you help enough other people accomplish what they want to accomplish, you'll be able to accomplish what you want to um, just by helping others and, and leading with that kindness. So yeah. um, you're, you're living it and you're seeing it and you've got the stories to, to go with it. Can you tell me a little bit um, part of, you know, remaining vital in business today and, and in life is all about um, figuring out how to pivot and figuring out, you know, tackling, you know, whatever's going to be coming at you. And here we are coming out of the, the pandemic. And you mentioned before we hit record that you had some speaking um, events, which we all know those are definitely different now or well, non-existent now, you know, hopefully yeah. that's going to change. But yeah. uh, do you mind yeah, just kind of talking a little bit about how you're pivoting with this business? And yeah, and so that's, it's probably a great question for me because, you know, we're talking about staying vital and it's not, it's not easy. This has not been an easy environment 
Now, some people have actually thrived in the environment. That's how it works. Um, for us, we were doing sports camps. We were starting to get noticed. I had teams finally reaching out to us. You know, I was getting sponsors, more sponsors. Uh, we were, um, we had created our own product line. It's a long story you don't need right now, but it's our, our primary fundraiser has been honey from New York and Florida, uh, getting local honey in our two main areas where we, we do our fundraising. And, you know, and it was money was coming in. We were able to grab money. People loved our products. They loved us. I created a children's book called A Pound of Kindness in honor of Ernie Pound. It was creating more speaking events. Even schools were paying for us. You know, they always say they don't have budgets. Um, we're paying for us to come in, uh, buying books, uh, having us come in and things were moving. And then we had this thing called COVID. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, many of our fundraising, our speaking events went to zero. Um, our fundraising got a lot harder. Um, the camps that we do, all of a sudden, the players weren't allowed to be on the field with our participants. And so we had to start thinking very differently. Okay, how do we stay relevant? How do we do it differently? How do we do a camp without players um, and still utilize professional teams? And so all of a sudden, this pivot, and then I'm sitting here, okay, I got more time than I normally have. What's in my business plan that I haven't done? And so you pivot in that direction. And so you know how business plans go. You, you map out all these things. And I did that with what we're doing and documentaries, children's books. And I, was, I wanted to write more children's books. Um, but I got a call from a, 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 another author, Todd Sivan. He actually emailed me first and he wanted us, our story to be in a compilation book that he was putting together. And I said, oh, that sounds really good, Todd. And he, he's worked with a lot of folks with disabilities, wrote the book for Dick and Rick Hoyt. If you're not familiar with that story, it's one of the great sports stories out there. And he wanted us to be in his book. And I said, all right, let me look at this. And I said, Todd, how far are you along? Well, not very far. I got about three or four chapters of people committed already. And I said, I have almost the exact same thing in my business plan, but with a little different twist. And he says, what is it? I said, well, instead of let's just sharing the stories of these great people, why don't we ask them to share the stories of what pulled them along in their life's journey? What helped them get to where they are? He said, great, let's do it. So we started on this journey two years ago, this book called Pulling Each Other Along, all based on the children's book story, A Pound of Kindness, that I just shared earlier. And we started calling our network, mostly athletes, mostly athletes in the disability connection world. And not all athletes, not all disabilities. We have cancer stories, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we started reaching out to these people. We were going to do like 20 or 25 chapters, but we didn't get no's. You know, we got very, very few no's of some of the people that we wanted. Uh, even some celebrities uh, like my, my friend Rocky Blyer. And if you don't know the Rocky Blyer story, four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers, but Vietnam vet who was um, after his rookie season, um, went to Vietnam, was drafted, went to Vietnam, was shot, took a grenade, left for dead, and was pulled out of the jungle by an unknown soldier. And a couple of years later, he healed enough to play and he won four Super Bowls with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he's one of my chapters talking about what pulled him along. Now, for my age, people, Rocky Blyer's a legend, you know, but um, for many people, they still they don't know his story, which is to me a tragedy tragedy. But so we started calling people like Rocky and Rocky was like, yep, let's do it. I'm like, that was too easy. So we did 31 chapters instead of 25. (laughs) And um, it's a big book. But I just had a recent pastor tell me it was like reading Proverbs. There's one for every day. What a great observation. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. It wasn't intentional, but it's what happened. So we have 31 stories of people, you know, some prominent, some heroes, 
I say heroes, you know, none of these people feel like they're heroes, but in my opinion, Rocky Blyer is a true hero. But um, people like Rocky Blyer sharing specifically what pulled them along in their life's journey, the kindness that got them where they are today. All right, I'm speechless. Um, I mean, it's fantastic. But that was our pivot. That was our pivot. <laughs> so it was two years of pivoting. So when did the book come out? Pulling each uh, other along? Technically June, just this past June. You know, okay. so just this past June, you know, where it's available on Amazon. We've had it for a few months before that. Of course, we were, it was, we were waiting for the shipment to come in. It was on the docks for, I don't even two, three months, you know, we couldn't get to it, you know, so that just all those little things, weird things that are happening during this COVID year. So what did you do with the honey? I still have it. We still, we still market our honey. Um, okay. um, I, we were, in, I'm in Corning, New York. If you don't know mm -hmm. the, what Corning is, Corning is a glass town. It's a very small town. We have the Fortune 500 company. When I can, if you're watching on YouTube or anything, it's literally right out my door, the, the main headquarters here. And Dave grew up right across the river from Corning and Corporate. And so being a glass town, it came up with an idea to, with somebody else that was helping me at the time, we took a mason jar that has a handle, you mm -hmm. know, a little 16 ounce mason jars with a handle. We fill it with 22 ounces worth of raw natural honey, but I cut the glass with Dave's logos. So we, we connected the dots to Corning as a cut glass kind of collector's mug. And then I have more now. I have a pulling each other along mug that I'm working on. I have a mug with Dave Stevens, my other Dave. I have the wagon, you know, mug. And I just made these different mugs, filled them with honey. And I didn't know much, how much people loved honey. Yeah. And so we, but it's, it's a really high quality honey. It's not like getting a low, what you get in the store. This is, I go right to a big beekeeper in this area that has his own hives uh, we fill that up with honey. I had a big, I have big beekeepers down in Florida uh, do the same thing. And we just started marketing honey and it's a lot easier to sell honey than a book. And uh, so, <laughs> you so, can eat it. People love to eat. <laughs> yeah. And it's consumable. I just had literally, I had to deliver because we're not set up anywhere right now on a consistent basis. And so I, some of my fans, I need your honey. You have the best honey in the area, you yeah. know, and I'm meeting them at Starbucks with jars of honey. So, People love honey. They are very, um, particular about it right. so, so if anybody's but, interested to know more and want to expand i'm looking for a partner that will take the honey but more like a newman's own um you know so we can get it on the shelves i have a big big honey guy that can fill as much honey as we need to get it on the shelves uh instead of doing it one-on-one -on -one, I, mm -hmm. I want to go much larger i love the creativity of just keeping the business flowing and you went from honey into capturing stories of pulling each other along. And I feel like today people need to hear more stories of, of successes and having to overcome failures and, and just opportunities that come to us that we had no idea were going to be given to us. Yeah. Um, well, we got 31 of them in this book. And of course I'm a little biased, but it's really great. I'm sure it is really great. 31. I mean, it's, it's perfect. Just like what you're, um, your minister was saying about, you know, one a day and you've, you've got a, a program just to kind of help get your mind and everything today is really shifting into the mindset and, and just helping us think of things in different ways and different yeah. perspectives and to have 31 stories that celebrate. I think that's, you know, a gift that, that you can keep giving while you honor and celebrate the people that really had some challenges to, to yeah. overcome. Yeah. So that's available on Amazon. It's available at pulling each other along.com. Uh, where, where you can also find my children's book, A Pound of Kindness, because A Pound of Kindness is not 
readily available on Amazon right now. We took that off. I only have about five or 600 copies left and I'm trying to sell those to raise money for the sports camps. And if you do it on Amazon, you don't make any money. <laughs> Amazon distribution channel though. Huh? You have so a distribution this, channel. Right. Right. So I don't have to package it, which is wonderful, but yeah. Uh, yeah so it's, it's, they're great stories. Um, I come out of the children's entertainment industry uh, in my, in the nineties. And so I knew what I was looking for and wanting to do with the children's story. And, and in in new and hopefully in very real close times, I'll have more books coming out very soon, like the rope climb story. That'll be perfect. Tell me, um, you know, we mentioned before I hit record about just being able to plan for the next chapter and kind of what's happening next. And, you know, when we look at business and we look at life, um, there's a lot of planning. And I was speaking with a gentleman before this. And he referenced planning, you know, looking at planning at 10 year blocks. So we don't feel like we're behind the eight ball all the time, because I feel like sometimes we feel like there's not enough time, but really when we look at a nice longer block of time, anything could be possible. So I'd love to get your perspective on, you know, how do you plan for the next chapter and what does that look like for you? And it's really, it's really what I'm doing right now. You know, we're pivoting, not that we don't want to continue selling honey because honey has actually been kind of our desperate life blood, I guess, you know, when you reach desperation, you have to find something that works. Um, Dave says, you know, his, if you know anything about baseball, he he wasn't going to throw 95 miles an hour on crutches at five foot two with virtually no use of his legs. So he had to think differently Mm -hmm. and he developed what's called a knuckleball. And if you're a baseball person, if you don't know what the knuckleball is, you just pitch it with your tips of your fingers or your knuckles and it doesn't spin. So it floats. And it's a very difficult pitch to learn, but it's also a very difficult pitch to hit if a pitcher has learned it. And so that was his ticket. That's how he felt and thanked and think differently. And it parlayed him to a 45 year career at every level of baseball. And so, but he calls it the desperation pitch because nobody wants to throw the knuckleball. You know, everybody wants to be the big guy that throws 95, 98, 99, even hundred miles an hour now. And that's what people want. But the desperation pitch is more like the knuckleball. And that's what he needed. Honey was our desperation pitch. We needed to fund these camps. I wasn't getting the income from Merrill Lynch anymore. We needed something. And honey became our desperation pitch. Um, Now we're pivoting away from that um, with that bigger plan in mind. Uh, Mm -hmm. We had gotten up to the point we were doing 10 or 12 events a year. um, and speaking events, you know, but as far as our actual events that we do for free for these families. And of course that stopped and slowed down. We're up to about five or six, seven, maybe this year, depending on how it floats at the end of the year. Um, But we have to raise money for those. So we're pivoting by working with Josh Tapp, who is a top 20 um, uh, podcaster. And we've put together, and actually it's going to be live here soon as far as um, available. Uh, we're, we're pivoting. And instead of trying to sell thousands of bottles of honey, I'm trying to sell 20 high level entrepreneurs and some of the pro level professional athletes, former professional athletes to come to an event. Uh, they'll be, they'll be sponsoring disability dream and do, but we're going to do a three day, two night event in Fort Myers, Florida, meet together, have fun together, get on boats together, all those kind of things, but to collaborate um, in a unique way of pulling each other along mastermind meetings. And so we're pivoting to that. It's pretty, you know, we're excited about it, putting together the work um, and um, just uh, just pivoting and 
into another realm. We'll, again, we'll still sell honey, but, uh, and we have other great products too. Actually, I have, I have maple syrup with uh, collector's modes too. So it's, uh, it's kind of interesting, some of the creative stuff, but uh, we need to get bigger. Um, we want this to go on past Dave Clark's in my lifetime. And you only do that if you're, you're doing real revenue, you know, and we want our business to support this, not necessarily the nonprofit side. We do have a nonprofit fund and that's great, but we really want our business efforts to be what would fund these camps. Fantastic. As we start to wrap up, do you mind sharing maybe one more favorite Dave Clark story? Oh my gosh. So perspective, how about we go to perspective? Okay. Um, Dave played for 10 years in the minor leagues. Um, he blew out his elbow in Sweden. He had four, he had a four year contract to play in the Swedish major leagues. And it was the first time he'd ever made an all-star team. So what people don't realize is he wasn't there just as a sideshow. He was this close. And I say this close, an inch close to making it to the major leagues with the Chicago white Sox because he could pitch and get people out. Okay. So he goes over to Sweden. He has this four year deal. He blows out his elbow. It's a lock holder over there. Um, you know, playing and they were literally plowing snow the, the day, the day of a game and they weren't canceling, you know, because that was normal for them in Sweden. And he blew out his elbow, tried to come back. That didn't work. Um, and he wound up buying a team. It's a very famous team. It's actually Hank Aaron's original team, a part of the Negro league teams. Uh, there's a Negro league museum, Negro league history. And Dave wound up playing for that team when they had integrated white players into the, into the team was very successful. And then he bought that team, put himself on first base. So when you're talking about thinking differently, yeah. um, you, you know, he's, he's the master of that. But in 1987, he was, it was the year before he was wrapping up. Um, it, it, the team wrapped up in 19, 1980 or 1988, but 1987, um, he had the worst game of his life. Struck out. He always says he never struck out, but obviously he did. Um, he struck out, he, he had two easy ground balls that went past him, uh, which wasn't normal for him because anything low was where his, his wheelhouse was. And they got beat like 22 to three in a, in a, in a professional baseball game. So to say he was, I don't know if we can use the word pissed. Um, so, so one of his attributes that we don't talk about a lot is he also had a big temper which is probably one of the reasons he was successful. He goes into the dugout after this big loss and his terrible game. He takes one of his crutches and it was an old dugout that had these shore poles in the middle of the dugout. And this was in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And he starts beating the pole with his crutch. So much so that he turned the crutch into a C. And one of his co-players comes up to him and of course Dave's yelling him at words we won't say on this podcast to get away from him and enraged and he says no I need you get away from me no no get the get out of here he said Dave there's a young girl in a wheelchair that wants to see you you gotta see her and Dave said as soon as he heard wheelchair young girl he like he like got back into his senses mm-hmm and then he asked the guy to straighten out the crutch by jumping on it with his spikes in this, you know, concrete floor. And he's trying to get it enough to where he could use the crutch. And he goes out and he crutches out to see this father greet him with this little girl in a wheelchair, praising Dave. Dave, you were amazing. I said, no, honey, I had the worst game of my life. You don't understand how bad this was. No, it was great. And she just kept praising Dave and he couldn't take it. 
because he was complaining about the terrible game that he had. Long story short, he goes, honey, what don't I get? He tells this little girl, she says, Dave, you were on the field. You were playing. And he's like, he's, he never forgot that interaction with that little 12-year-old girl. Because even for him, he couldn't see himself how incredible it was mm -hmm. for him to be on the field playing with these other professional athletes, whether it was as a pitcher, as a first baseman. He just wanted to win. Very competitive. Probably the most competitive person. I tell him it's the most competitive person I've ever met in the world. And, and I felt like I was pretty competitive growing up with being the youngest brother of four, four older, you know, three older brothers. And that was a perspective changer for him. And he tells that story often in the dugouts when we get to, uh, you know, in the locker rooms, when we get to talk to these professional athletes and it's all perspective, you know, but Dave was on the field and that's what we give these kids an opportunity through disability dream and do is, is that we give them a chance to be on the field and to feel like ball players and to hopefully get them an idea that, Hey, if you have a goal, you can dream it, but also put action to it and dream and do it. And, uh, and that's what Dave's life's about. And that's the legacy we want to leave through the camps. That is fantastic. Um, can you tell me if someone wanted to get in touch with you or, or learn more, what is the best way to do that? So either d3day.com, which is my short, uh, my short website, d3day.com. You can uh, pretty much everything leads back to me. Facebook, LinkedIn. I'm like the only Doug Cornfield alive in the world right now, except for my son. And he's not on LinkedIn yet. So uh, LinkedIn's a good place, uh, but pulling each other along. You know, that's another, you know, either, either one of those websites, pulling each other along d3day.com, um, Facebook possibly, but uh, LinkedIn probably better. Fantastic. Thank you. Doug Cornfield, you are the co-founder of Disability Dream Do, found on the web at d3day.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Catherine. My team and I just want to say thank you for tuning in to the Business Vitality Podcast. We really appreciate you being here. If you know of another leader, another CEO, a founder who has another success story that they are willing to share and be able to pay it forward, we would love to highlight their stories on this podcast. You can find more information at katherinecanty.com. And in the meantime, if you could take a minute and rate this show, that would be super helpful because that's going to allow more people like you to find us in order to continue to pay it forward. Again, if you need to learn any additional information, we are happy to help. You can find us more at katherinecanty.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn with my name, Katherine Canty. Thanks so much for being here.